Michael, what the heck? I thought you said you had this taken care of. The casino's still a mess. So originally I was going to have the Ugnots do it. That went terrible. But calm down. Okay. I have another plan. Great. Well, what's the plan? Bounty hunters. There, wait, you can't get bounty hunters no. to clean a casino. I can't imagine. How would you do that? Look, over there is a bounty hunter. Bounty hunters, if you pay them, then they will do anything. And you just got to say, no disintegrations. I've, look, I've been through this a thousand times. It'll be cool. That's a bounty hunter over there, you're saying? Yeah, it'll be cool. Don't worry. Just go. Okay. Um, uh, hi, bounty hunter. How are you? First, I want to know when and how I will be paid. Uh, uh, Michael, do we have money to pay? I have chocolate chip cookies. Chocolate, what the heck? Chocolate chip cookies? You can't get a bounty hunter. Okay, okay. Well, we're not um, asking her to kill anybody. Okay, okay. Um, uh, by the way, what's your name, bounty hunter? That would be Bethany Fett. Bethany Fett. If we paid you in chocolate chip cookies, would you clean the casino? All right, you have me at chocolate. Deal. Deal. I'm good with this. Seriously, you'll do. You're going to clean the casino. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, Michael. Hey, she'll clean the casino. Of Give her course the she'll. I told you. Look, see here. I know. You're, you're awesome. The, Fresh, homemade chocolate chip cookies. All right, you two. I'm going to take these chocolate chip cookies and run because I'm the one with the weapon here. Wait, whoa, hold on. Now that's not fair. Who said anything about fair? Oh my gosh, my hands are up. Don't shoot. I'll just shoot him. What? what hold on. <laughs> Michael! Oh my gosh, she stunned you. Wait. <laughs> I have the cookies now. I will see you later, Bruce. And if you ever have another deal requiring cookies, let me know. No! Enjoy your stay, Hello, what have we here? I suggest a new strategy. You really belong here with us, fun club. Welcome, scoundrels, to Cloud City Casino. We welcome you here among the clouds. And as you come into the casino, you will meet the most wonderful, fantastic fans you'll ever meet in this entire galaxy, including myself. I'm Bruce Gibson. And we have along with us the administrator of our facility, Michael Morris. Wow, you really are laying it on thick for this episode. <laughs> I think it's because I helped myself to some of these chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> uh-huh. And you're and having a sugar I, rush. And, and they taste really good when they got get hot and melted. So I took them to the, the carbon freezing chamber. <laughs> I'm sorry. The carbon freezing chamber. That is and, terrible. <laughs> as <laughs> so Steve Lawson says. And I heated them up and, and the chocolate melted in the cookies. But I thought it freezes, not heats. Oh, wait, you're right. Well, it's hot in that room. Okay, but besides that, there's uh -huh. somebody here joining us here in the casino today. That's and that right. is, do you know who that, who, do you know who it is, Michael? It is one of the big three of the Star Wars Report Network. The big three. This is the number yeah. one. Well, she's she is the princess of podcasting. That's right. <laughs> Miss <laughs> Bethany Blanton. Let's hear it. Bethany Blanton. Yes. Hey, guys. Thanks for the welcome. You know what? I've always been tempted when being on a podcast and being introduced to just jump the gun and right in the middle of the introduction just be like, hey, everybody, <laughs> and just throw people off. I did it once to Riley. Mm -hmm. He was quite peeved. <laughs> That's okay. We like it when you get him peeved. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you can do whatever you want here. That's what's so great about the casino. Yeah, in casinos, it's like you go to Las Vegas and what goes on the road stays on the road. So when you come here, what goes on the road stays on the road. It's just everybody hears it. <laughs> <laughs> All That's right. True. Awesome. It's, it goes, whatever's said here and just goes out. All over the internet. That's right. So here, before we get started, I just uh-huh. want to uh, do something new to the show. I haven't even talked to Michael about this. Oh, excellent. This should be fun. So uh, we get reviews on iTunes. So anytime we get a five-star written review, I think we should call it out and, and read it here on the show. And so we got one on Christmas Day. Oh, nice. Isn't that great? Christmas Day from Bruiser Rocks. And he says, or she says, I don't know what Bruiser Rocks is, but (laughs) (laughs) Michael and Bruce are both great hosts. Give them a listen and always remember to let the Wookiee win. And that's the end of our show, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) That was our review on iTunes for last week. So if if anybody else sends us a review, we will read it on the next show. That is right. That's right. I guess that's what we're doing now. I can't say that I have given up on thinking about The Force Awakens. It has not come out of my system yet. Mm -hmm. You and I, Michael, have talked about The Force Awakens till we've been blue in the face. We're going to see it again tomorrow night. We're going to keep talking about it every time we're in discussions. So now we have Bethany here. And I don't know about you, but I would kind of like to know what Bethany thinks of The Force Awakens. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it great? What do you, where do you put it on your scale of Star Wars movies? It's great. And it is in my top three, but I have not been able to reorder my order of Star Wars films yet. I, I think I need a good uh, more, like maybe year and five more watches or so. Whichever comes Before first. I can settle that. But I do know it's in my top three. Bruce and I were talking about this uh, previously and said that, you know, it seems like almost everyone is putting it in their top three. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I, I was mentioning to you guys before we actually started the show, but I've listened to probably a good 20 hours of the Force Awakens <laughs> reaction podcasts. And I, from that, I would have to say yes, because almost everyone put in their top three. Now, as you're listening to these other podcasts, has anybody said anything that surprised you about their uh, feelings, good or bad, about this movie? Something different, whether it's the, the a certain scene or character or music? Oh, yes. I would have to say on Rebel Force Radio, they have the Star Wars Oxygen podcast with David Collins analyzing the music of the Star Wars films. And his analyzing specifically of Ray's theme was really, really good. And it, it uh, opened me up to the possibility of how well her theme can simultaneously harmonize with the Force theme or what some people call Luke's theme. And that was fascinating to me. I had not quite picked up on that. And it, it mixes too a bit with Jedi steps. So that's really yeah, I hadn't picked up on that either. And when I listened to that episode, I just went back actually this morning and played that from the soundtrack. And it's on the last track and it's in the like, it, it's, it's, it's during the credits at the last like two minutes or so of, of, of that, that track. Um, you first hear that Force or Luke's theme, then all of a sudden you hear Ray's theme comes in, comes in, then the Luke theme, and then Ray's, and it just kind of plays out Ray's. And it's interesting how well they can be woven together as if they belong together, as if the DNA is there. 
between the two of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's 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 a fascinating topic, and uh, you know, as I thought about it more, you know, I I was open to the possibility of Ray actually being a nobody. She's just not related to anybody that we know, or of her being a solo or a Skywalker or possibly someone else. But um, her connection with Luke, it could be a familial connection, or or it could be the fact that they're both very powerful light side users, but the fact that she dreams of an island when she, as a desert girl, has really never had any concept of an island. I mean, she's probably heard the term and whatnot, but uh, for it to enter her dreams, and that to almost certainly be the island Luke is on, um, just really intrigues me. Uh, and I, I don't know, I, I'm beginning to see more and more that there is a connection between Rey and Han, Leia, Luke, and Kylo. And I don't know what that connection is. And originally I thought, yeah, I, I think people are just reading too much into expressions or conversations or whatnot. But with each watching, I became more convinced that there is some sort of connection and that not all of the characters are oblivious to Rey's heritage, whatever that may be. And I'm dying to know. And, and I, I really want to know. Well, one thing I will say, and I'm, I've been uh, very vocal about my stance on it, which is that I, I say it's not even a question. It's she's clearly Luke's daughter. But uh, I will say, though, you know, you were, you were talking about uh, her dream. You do have to remember that Luke says when he gets on Dagobah, it's like it's something out of a dream. Um, or, or, or maybe he said something like, uh, he, he mentioned, uh, something about the familiarity of Dagobah. So, um, it's possible that, you know, it just, it, it maybe it's a, a similar step or whatever, since he, he seems to kind of be her Yoda. So it may be that she could have been at this island when she was very young and doesn't remember, or she's never been there. It's just been something that's in a force stream that's calling to her or what she's seeing in the future, similar to what you were saying about Dagobah or even Anakin uh, seeing, you know, Padme possibly dying and his mother death is coming to her. It's that feeling through the force that's maybe leading her there. Yeah. I mean, well, I was just saying that, that maybe the connection is in the way that Luke was connected to Yoda, since he had uh, mentioned essentially, I can't remember the exact lines, but but recalling Dagobah in a dream. So possibly that's her recalling the island in a dream, and that's her connection to Luke in the way that Luke's connection was to Yoda. So it's Fantasy Island. That's what I'm going to call it until we are told otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go with that. <laughs> well, so just to throw this out here real quick, so that I have uh, someone at work is now watching the Star Wars movies for the first time, and she started with Episode One, and she's halfway through Episode Five, so she hasn't even got to Episode Seven yet. But it's interesting how she's seeing things different than what we do in these films, and. Uh, I guess in the same way that she's seeing and reading into things a little too much sometimes, we're probably doing even with episode seven. For example, Snoke. I mean, that's that's something that comes up I hear all the time. Who is Snoke? You know, I've I've heard, you know, is he Darth Vader? Is he actually one of our listeners 
uh, texted me the other day that she thought maybe Snoke is Darth Bane. Do you guys have any thoughts of what you think or who you think Snoke is? I truly don't think that Snoke is somebody that we've seen before because the Darth Plagueis book is no longer canon. So it's it's possible that Snoke could be Darth Plagueis. I know that that's a rumor or theory that's been flying around a lot. But I don't think that they would recycle a character that was not in the movies before uh, that's such a main character. It, it causes too many... Uh, you know, they're, they're trying to create some mystery with Snoke, obviously, as they are with Rey. Uh, and I, I think if Snoke is somebody we've seen before, that negates the mystery. So I, I don't think that Snoke will be someone that we've seen before. He might be vaguely uh, based on, on a previous character. He seems to be like Darth Plagueis in the sense that he is definitely politically involved mm-hmm. and uh, definitely also works behind the scenes. So that, you know, they, there could be some inspiration drawn there, but... I, I think he's a, a completely new Force user, uh, the like of which we haven't seen before because he's not a Sith. Well, what is interesting to me is that I've seen I, – I, I'm, I'm kind of on the same page. I don't, I don't think he's anyone we've known before. I think he's just a new character that may have been around for a while. And we just never heard about him. And I'm also wondering if we'll get some hints to him or other things in this movie when Rogue One comes out. But – there's a picture out there. He has a scar on his left cheek and then he's got a scar on uh, his head, kind of on the left side, very similar in placement as we saw in Anakin, Darth Vader, when his mask was removed in Return of the Jedi. Now, is that just coincidence or do you, maybe there's some relation there. When I brought this up back on, on the other episode, you told me I was stupid. Well, you are stupid, but I'm just wondering now. <laughs> no, I'm just... It's, it's like, just, but someone else said it, so now it may actually have some sort of credence. No, I didn't say you were stupid. I know. Whatever. I don't remember what was actually said. I'm just joking around. I don't even remember. remember. I was, like, sick for half of that. I hardly oh, remember yeah. anything. <laughs> but anyway, I just think that... I don't, I don't know if that means anything or not. It's really strange. I don't know. I think it means Luke Skywalker whooped his butt. Could be. So you think Luke could have fought Snoke at some point? Uh, it's very likely, yeah. I think, wasn't that your theory, though? I thought that was something you'd mentioned, but maybe I heard it from somewhere else. No, it wasn't me. Okay, well, I'm taking credit for it then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you think, Bethany? Honestly, with this one, I'll just have to say that I really don't know. Uh, you know, I do have an opinion about most things, but with this one, it's, it's just a shrug. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, let me ask, let me ask you this though. I'm asking you both this. So I've heard talk about, obviously he's not physically there. Is he a projection or is he a force ghost? Because the projection doesn't look like the typical projections that we see of people in star Wars. I'm kind of wondering, could he be some type of force ghost that's on the dark side? If he were a force ghost, I don't think you'd see the level of presence that he has. Like, how would he control Starkiller Base? I mean, I know he does through Hux and through Kylo Ren. But uh, controlling the First Order and two characters who are that strong-willed, plus being involved in galactic politics, just based on, on Leia's statements about him... 
makes me think that he's most definitely a real-life person. I mean, if you think about it, Snoke has been after Ben Solo ever since Ben was really young, according to the book. And it's pretty obvious that uh, Ben turns into Kylo Ren fairly young because of Han Solo saying, you know, I want to see the face of my son, and he hasn't really seen him as an adult. Have you read the book all the way through, Bethany? I have not. Uh, and it, it really, uh, so, someone accused me of doing book spoilers on a different podcast. Oh my but it's God. just things that uh, slightly enhance or inform upon the movie. So I, uh-huh. I don't really think those are spoilers. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that because it's, I, I feel like I'm one of the most spoiler sensitive people out there. And then, but for someone to be like, oh, this is the book. I'm like, oh, cool. That's interesting. When I know 95% of what's in the book already, that extra 5% isn't going to hurt my feelings, but whatever. <laughs> well, I, I think there are a couple things in the book that are pretty uh, revealing, but mm-hmm. the facts that I mentioned to you, you could infer from the movie. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. We've um, we, we've spoken about that a lot. You know, just some of the things that I've been finding out from it. And, you know, we were talking about saying, oh, you know, this is actually really laid out in, in the film if you, uh, if you pay attention to it. Uh, I think the biggest thing is that stuff comes at you so fast and we have details overlapping that sometimes you can be listening to a character. Like I, I mentioned, a lot of people, for whatever reason, are completely confused about them blowing the Republic up. And I'm like, they say it four times in the movie. And I was kind of trying to think of why, but I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, everyone's kind of going, oh, wow, Ray just completely got into to Kylo's head. Like, that's a big deal. What does that mean? What's going on there? And now Kylo's talking to Snoke about it. And you're paying attention to that. And then all of a sudden Hux comes in and is like, hey, guess what? Blowing up the Hosnian system. Is that cool? Okay, great. Awesome. Going to go do that. Bye. I didn't really pay much attention to that at the time. But then after watching through, I'm like, yeah, that, that's there, whatever. But then I realized, okay, well, it's, if you're watching it through the first time, you're probably not as focused on that. Yeah, it's a lot to take in the first time you're watching. It really mm-hmm. requires that second time. I don't know about you, Bethany, but I, I, Michael and I, and I've heard other people say that they really realized how much they loved the movie the second time. The second time seemed to go better than watching it the first time. Did you have that experience? Oh, that was absolutely the case for me. Um, I mean, I loved the movie coming out of it the first time, more so than um, Steve or or Riley. Mm -hmm. I I watched it with um, Steve Glosson, my brother Riley, and um, Teresa Delgado and her husband and mom and brother. Um, (laughs) And a few other friends, too. But, uh, and their dog and their cat. Yes. <laughs> Hamsters. <laughs> I actually, actually listened to Steve, <laughs> had, Steve had posted uh, a round, little round table that y'all did on Geek Out Loud. So that was a lot of fun listening to that. I'm not sure what episode it is or I would tell people, but. Um, yeah. yeah, just go listen to Geek Out Loud if yes. you're listening to this. You'll, that was li- a, you'll like it. That was a really fun one, but I was like, I, I, I feel like we should have Mama Lowe on here more. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, but you hear her kind of more from the background. I'm like, give her a microphone. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she wanted a microphone, though. Oh, I know. That's, that's kind of what I assumed, yeah. but I was like, aw, this could be way more fun. <laughs> but yeah. it was a really good episode. But uh, I, I definitely had that experience, and I mm-hmm. actually... 
my favorite time watching it may have been my third time, actually, or my fifth time. Uh, those kind of tie as my two favorite times. Because um, I, I had a chance for it to all sink in, and it definitely had an emotional impact. And the third and the fifth time, I was seeing the film with people who had not seen it before, and yet I had already seen it. So I had the, the excitement of sharing you know, something I love with somebody else who hasn't seen it yet, instead of going into it brand new myself, if that makes any sense. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so much to take in, and as, as a longtime fan, if you've known Han Solo for years, maybe he's your favorite character, once you get to the point of his death in the film, that's a real shocker in a lot of ways. Like, you may be expecting it, and it's still a shocker. I know for many people, so for some people, it turned them off the film entirely. Mm -hmm. But for others, kind of like me, it leaves you just dazed or really sad. And then it's, it's kind of hard to let the whole movie sink in when you're essentially grieving a character. Um, and that might sound stupid to some people who aren't fans or who don't necessarily have a lot of fiction that they like. But uh, stories and characters, uh, even to adults, can be very important. And it's something that we can uh, learn a lot from. So I, I, I don't laugh when people say that they're still grieving over the death of Han, even though to me, um, though that part of, of the film is very sad to me, I don't think I feel quite the same as some people who grew up with the original trilogy and that was their first Star Wars. Uh, for me, The Phantom Menace was my first Star Wars and it was the death of uh, Qui-Gon that was the most impactful to me. So did that impact you more, the death of Qui-Gon, than the death of Han Solo? Um, I would actually say that it's about equal. But you have to remember, when I was watching The Phantom Menace, it was the first time I'd seen a Star Wars film, period. Um, if, unless you count five minutes of seeing A New Hope when I didn't really even know what it was when I was much younger. Um, I just remembered the poor little droid that I love being eaten up by a machine, which was <laughs> R2 <laughs> being taken by the... Uh, the oh, the sand the crawler? Thing. Yes, yes. <laughs> so I, that traumatized me. I was like, I didn't want to watch Star Wars after I figured out that that was the movie. You must have been very young then. I was, I was really, really young. I don't... I must have been like four or five or so. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! Uh, but I was I was always highly highly empathetic mm -hmm. to characters in books and movies. Um, very, uh, how would you call it? It's it's not that I thought that they were real necessarily. Although, admittedly, at the age of five, your border between reality and fantasy is a bit blurred um but but just the fact that i could sink myself so deeply into uh feeling like i understood a character uh feeling like i could empathize with characters mm -hmm. um i i rambled a whole lot i don't even remember your original question <laughs> <laughs> no that's fine so my, my question is because i know you're also a huge tolkien fan with the death of han did you get a little of that uh balrog like a little throwback to that, maybe? I did, yes. The And I actually haven't talked about this on any other podcast, too. So the, the fact that Han confronts 
the villain on the bridge, mm-hmm. ah, it, it was very cinematically like Gandalf uh, confronting the Balrog. Um, unfortunately, Han is not a wizard and does not come back as Han the White. Well, we don't know. We've got two more movies. Okay. <laughs> Han does not have force powers. He got stabbed through, like, essentially right between his chest and stomach. And then the lightsaber got shoved even further up into him. Then he fell into a bottomless pit that proceeds to blow up shortly thereafter. The entire freaking planet base blows up with him. Right. It's like the Phantom Menace when Darth Maul got cut in half and fell down that shaft. It was like, yeah, obviously he's dead. He's not coming back. And then he came back. The planet didn't blow up. <laughs> oh, okay, that's the difference. <laughs> but if, for no, all we know, Cap- Captain Phasma finds Han, falls in love with him, grabs him, takes him through the garbage wait minute, compactor. Wait, 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 wait. We're missing. We're missing the most important details, which is it's been thirty years. We don't know what Han's been up to. Now he believes in the Force. Maybe it's because he's a Force user now. Oh wow. Or maybe it wasn't Han. Maybe it was a shapeshifter. That looked like Han. No, don't be ridiculous, Bruce. <laughs> oh, so that's the only ridiculous statement here. Clearly. <laughs> uh, well, as my boss has been telling everybody this week, I'm corny. So <laughs> I'm just corny. I don't know where he gets those ideas. So did you, was there any other scenes that were your favorite or, or particularly noteworthy? I I didn't actually realize how much I loved when Ray gets the lightsaber, you know, when, when she and Ren are both essentially calling the lightsaber through the force mm-hmm. and it winds up in her hand. Somehow it, I, I didn't realize how much that scene moved me until I heard uh, Amy Ratcliffe talking about it and how much it moved her. Uh, but it, it was something where, again, that sort of dazed, uh, like, oh, wow, that's so amazing. And in the lightsaber fight and there's so much going on in this film it's it's mm-hmm. amazing how much you can catch i mean my fifth time through i was catching so many things that i hadn't seen before and i've watched it over and over again mm-hmm. now so, so so you've seen it five times now yes okay yeah so i've seen it six so one more time and i can tell you that on my sixth time i was still finding new things yeah so. and and I, I mean even just in 2015, I found a couple things in The Phantom Menace that I had never seen before when I was watching it again. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one of those films that I feel in other Star Wars films, we tend to catch things that we hadn't noticed before. Right. But they tend to be fairly small. In The Force Awakens, partly because there's so much going on, and I think partly because of, of editing and storytelling choices... Uh, you can miss pretty significant details if you watch it once, especially if you're a fan who's so interested in what the characters are doing and saying that you're not necessarily paying as much attention to the political situation or the environment and what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's. have you guys seen that uh, article that I really dislike on Huffington Post called 40 unforgivable plot holes in The Force Awakens? Uh, unfortunately, but I, I, you know, that's just, <laughs> I've never really considered Huffington Post to be real journalism, and this is just further proof, to me at least. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've read some other stuff by them that's good, but this was 
this was particularly terrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the author of the post just completely missed several major plot points in the film, which admittedly, one of them I had completely missed my first time around. And I was like, wait, why, why was that the case? Why did that happen? And then Steve corrected me on it. But like mm-hmm. Riley missed the fact that Starkiller Base actually pulls in the energy of the sun to make it that's weapon. an important one he totally missed that the first time around in the movie and he was like how did i miss that yeah, no, <laughs> so it's a couple mm-hmm. things like that but the author missed so many things i mean he had pro- like a, a couple somewhat reasonable points mm-hmm. but he missed so much in the movie well, and i was like you were uh, this was my internal dialogue with the author of this post you were sitting in this movie Frantically typing notes for an article that you were already planning. Mm-hmm. I bet he was sitting in the theater planning on writing this article from the get-go and wasn't paying very much attention because I, I know that uh, critics tend to go into a movie and write all of their notes while they're sitting right. in it, which there's nothing wrong with that. But you miss so much just watching it the first time, even if you're paying complete attention to it. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and this article came out very quickly. I would say this was done after their first viewing. It was written, and I, I, I've said um, on, on the last podcast, I believe that the, I don't believe there's anything genuine in that article. It's essentially, hey, everyone's writing positive reviews. I need to get noticed, so I'm going to write a negative review. And essentially, that's just clickbait. They're, the Huffington Post is, is pumping out clickbait. And I just dismiss it as that and, and try to tell people, stop reading it. Stop clicking on it. Because all you're doing is giving them the ad revenue that they're seeking. And, you know, people are... It's it's doing exactly what they want. Whether or not the uh, the author actually believes any of that genuinely or not, they still wrote it with one intention, which was to have people sharing it and that's what's going on unfortunately so we've talked about this many times and now it's coming up again about this movie's so dense every time we go to see it we find something new or we didn't pick up on things the first time i like seeing a film like this and then digging deeper and not knowing all the answers going back watching again figuring out those answers or catching those things that didn't stand out to me before similar to the whole you know like Bethany, you said about Riley not knowing about Starkiller Base bringing in the sun and now going the second time catching that. But in a sense, is that bad movie making to make a film that isn't clear the first time you're watching it? I mean, if you're going to go see, you know, when I saw Toy Story, I didn't leave the movie feeling as if like, you know, there's just a lot of things that just didn't make sense. I'd have to see this movie over and over again for it to make sense to me. Is it bad movie making to make a movie that people leave not really understanding all the the plot points, all the different elements that are in there? I think I think that you have to balance it. I, I do think there are a few places in The Force Awakens where the editing or a little bit of dialogue changes could have really helped make sure that people don't miss major major plots. Uh, for instance, a little more uh, political background, and I don't mean like a whole lecture in politics or whatever, but a little bit more of a political background 
could have made it more clear that uh, this the Hosnian system has the Republic, which uh, has this and that and the other. Because when, I mean, Hux explains that in his speech before it gets blown up, right? Right. But if you're watching that speech for the first time, you might be staring at the legions of stormtroopers or the massive flag or being enthralled by the fact that Hux is, is standing there screaming like Hitler. Um, or you might just be watching uh, in horror as it essentially boots up and uh, destroys a planetary system without necessarily making the emotional connection that this is a system full of people and it houses the Republic base and the Republic fleet because there's so much going on in the moment that if you space out or pay attention to anything else in that moment, like the fact that Ray is racing off through the forest really upset or the fact that Finn is leaving um, or any other plot point essentially, then you can miss that very key detail. Um, or you cannot emotionally connect with it because you're wondering where Leia is because you know, you know she's probably with Resistance at this point and you're wondering what's going to happen to Finn, what's going to happen to Ray because Ray just ran off through the forest and Finn's leaving and, and oh no. So, you know, you might intellectually grasp the point, but it doesn't really hit you in the way that uh, the Death Star blowing up Alderaan does because with Alderaan, we all have a personal connection to Leia, and Leia is, is horrified and saddened by the destruction of Alderaan. So even though we don't know anybody on Alderaan, we know that Leia's parents are there, and we get to see the emotional impact of that uh, essentially with her. And we get to see the emotional impact of it by Obi-Wan feeling it through the Force. And, you know, it's it's horrifying to him as well, even though he's not quite sure what happened. Um, so there, there are a few small editing choices. But in the smaller ones, like this list of 40 unforgivable plot holes, yes, there are two or three major ones that if made a little clearer, could have benefited the movie but 40 you don't have to have all of these minute things explained to you as if mm -hmm. you are a six-year-old who has to have every single plot point explained i mean there there are reasons why ray is an extremely powerful force user and we know that the force is awakening in her but we don't know why we don't know who she is because it's supposed to be a mystery right we don't there, there is room for mystery in movies, and there's room for missing plot points, uh, more minor ones, and room for missing what characters have because it is a dense world, like Tolkien's world. Right. And so I, I like the fact that I can watch The Lord of the Rings or Star Wars and continue to find elements in it. And to me, good movies that I don't watch a second time tend to be movies where I never find anything new in a rewatch. Right. Because everything is explained. There's no mystery. There's no density. It's it's a straight up movie where there there are no secrets. So on that, I would ask and, and once again Bruce and I had kind of talked about this a little bit, but my argument with the whole Hosnian system and all that is that is is that yes, that stuff adds more depth, but watching it through you know, they, they say the Republic, you know, like when Finn come, you know, when Finn runs 
up at that point, and, and maybe it was just me, but like I definitely had kind of locked in because I wasn't getting everything because things were happening so fast and all. But Finn runs up and he says, the Republic, and saying, you know, the, the Resistance did it or whatever. Like I felt like there was, for me, that you basically grab grasp that they're they're attacking the Republic. So so I, I don't know, just to me, I felt like, okay, this is, this gives you the broad stroke and yeah, if you, if you watch back through and everything, you, you get the smaller strokes. So I, I guess basically what I'm saying is I feel like as far as broad strokes go, you can watch it one time and gain all the, the broad strokes. Do you, uh, I mean, do you think I'm wrong in that or, or do you think that that's accurate? I think that the broad strokes will be caught by most people, mm-hmm. but perhaps not by a big enough percentage. Okay. That said, again, I do I do really like discovering new things when I watch mm-hmm. a film or rewatch a film, re- reread a book. So I, it, it's a topic I'm kind of torn on. It's a hard balance to strike. People complain about The Lord of the Rings that there's so much in it that they get <laughs> lost or they don't remember certain characters, they don't remember certain plot threads because there are so many of them. People complain about that with Game of Thrones, too. And mm-hmm. yet, both series are extraordinarily popular for very good reason. Yeah, that's a good point. Game of Thrones, I'm caught up on the this HBO series, but it, it's the same situation. It's so dense, and there's so many things I think I've missed. I want to go back and rewatch it the whole thing up until this next season starts because I feel like I've missed things or maybe there's things there I didn't even realize that will really stand out to me now. And my wife has been watch rewatching it. Not, you know, she's, She's been doing it without me. Come on, you know. But anyway, no, I mean, it's I I like I like the density of this film. I love that it's it's giving us so much to look at and discuss. It's giving us that want and need to get to the next film, which the studios are going to want to do. They want you to go back to see the next film, not just go, oh, yeah, well, I, you know, that other film I knew, it, it answered all my questions. I don't know. Do I really need to see the next one? No. You've got right. to see the next one to find out what's going on. But here's the thing. Does this movie change the way you see the previous six films? Has it had an impact where all of a sudden, if you're watching the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy, does it change your view of those films? Or haven't you watched them since you've seen Force Awakens? I think that it will, because in the same way that uh, when I read a number of Legends books, my opinion of Luke changed somewhat, because I saw a much more well-rounded figure, a a, a character who the mature uh, Jedi that we saw in Return of the Jedi became the character of Luke to me. And, and not the uh, slightly whiny, inexperienced, and naive character that, that we first met on Tatooine in A New Hope. So reading many, many pages that had this uh, older, wiser, more experienced, more mature Jedi was, was in part what helped make Luke one of my favorite Star Wars characters. Because I could see that in Return of the Jedi, but we don't see a whole lot of it. Similarly, this will happen with this trilogy as well. But yeah, Michael, what do you think? Um, possibly, but I don't. Um, I'm not sure. I'll, I'll have to watch them and see. 
Uh, yeah. I suppose I, I haven't because I've, I've pretty much been going, ah, I'm, I'm in the mood for Star Wars. All right, I'm going to the theater. <laughs> you know, I, uh, <laughs> and I actually, which I know we we're going to talk about this a little later. Um, Christy had bought me the, the Blu-rays for Christmas. So I, I do plan to sit down and, and watch through those soon. But honestly, I, I feel like no, not really, but not in a bad way. Um, yeah, I just I just feel like it's kind of a continuation, um, but I don't think that it really changes anything that we got beforehand. Yeah, I don't I don't either. And it was something I was wondering today because when I saw the prequels, it changed how I viewed the original trilogy. Now, of course, those are going back in time to a time right. earlier where this one's going forward. But in a sense, I think, well, if I see Han on screen in the original trilogy, I'm going to think, oh, well, and when I see him and Leia flirting and ending up together, I'm going to think, well, you know, this is what caused their son to be born and become Kylo Ren. And, oh, there's Luke, who eventually becomes this great Jedi. And so it may change the way we look at things. And I'm interested to see episode eight and nine, mm -hmm. if that even changes how we look back on these films or even the prequel films or something. I don't know. It, it would just be interesting. But you had mentioned, Michael, about uh, getting the Blu-ray for Christmas. And, and we do want to touch on what we got for the holidays. But before that, I want to ask Bethany just one more question about The Force Awakens. And that is, what was your favorite thing about this movie? Do you have a favorite character, favorite scene? What, what, what are your favorites? What are your top things about this film? <laughs> Ray is my favorite character. Uh, although... I was surprised at how much I loved all of the new characters. There, there really was no, you know, usually it's hit and miss in movies. You know, you really like one character and you like several others pretty well and then you just kind of don't like the way one character was done or something. Uh, that was not the case for me. I love all of the new characters and I thought the bad guys were done quite well too. So, you know, some people are like, oh, I don't really like Kylo Ren's insecurities. I don't think it makes him a very good villain. Uh, I strongly disagree with that. Yeah. Or others are like, oh, Hux is just so one note. And, you know, I didn't really like the character. But to me, the fanaticism that mm -hmm. he has, that like that makes sense. It's dead on. Mm -hmm. But uh, Ray is my favorite of the new characters. Mm -hmm. uh, Ray's theme. Uh, Ray's theme or the Jedi Steps theme is my new favorite theme of The Force Awakens. Yes. But I, it's so hard to decide. So, and since they do actually mix, as David Collins showed us, <laughs> mm -hmm. maybe I don't have to. I can just be like, they're together. Together, they're my favorite. <laughs> so I have to I have to say, just on that real quick, because I uh, I bought the, uh, the the CD the on the 18th, and I've been listening to I've had it in my car listening to it ever since. And initially, that's how I was. I was like, oh, I love Ray's theme. That was the one that stood out first. And then I'm all about Jedi Steps. But the one lately that I've been listening to and really loving is Poe's theme. Now, what is Poe's theme? Ooh, so... Hum it. Let me hear you sing it now. Never going to happen. Give me one second and I'll... <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I know there's the resistance. There's a theme for that. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, there's no track that's called Poe's theme. Well, I Can Fly Anything is the name of the, the track I believe that it's in. Um, okay. Uh, but, it's, but his theme is kind of in there rather than it just being its own track on the album. Okay, well, that's cool. I haven't picked up on 
uh, a theme for Poe or a theme for Finn. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe those are in there, but I'd really have to see the movie again and just listen to that soundtrack and see when those cues come in, when the certain characters mm-hmm. come up. It may also be in March of the Resistance, but then again, I may just be making things up. I'm not, I'm not a musical uh, genius. I don't, you, you may be onto something. I'm not this Kanye is the West. first we've heard this. Ooh. Right here on this show. So that's track three. I can fly o- anything. I almost said I can fly away. <laughs> Excellent. So I believe I can fly. Uh, w- were there any surprises? I believe I can touch the sky. We're moving on, Bruce. I segued. Just keep going. <laughs> uh, what, were there any surprises for you? I was rather frantically talking myself out of thinking that one of the big three would die. Mm-hmm. Like I was finding every excuse in the book to tell myself that none of the big three would die. So even though I kind of knew Han's death was coming, uh, like even when he, he, when he walked on that bridge, I was like, Oh no. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Right. And I think everybody kind of knew it. But even then, as soon as uh, Kylo said, that he was being torn apart. Um, I like I, I grasped at that as this straw, like just he's not gonna die. Kylo right. Kylo's struggling with the light. He'll he'll maybe just like run away and leave Han alone. Right. So I, I was kind of in denial, and I think that's why <laughs> I was so dazed when Han mm-hmm. uh, did die, even though a part of my brain the the more cynical rational portion of my brain the evil bethany was like <laughs> good bethany he's going to die Just right, get over it. right. <laughs> so uh but i think the other thing that surprised me was how much i loved poe and finn's romance <laughs> those yes. two are adorable yeah i love them they're awesome they're also poe is go- gorgeous <laughs> I, I need well, they both are gorgeous. Everybody mm-hmm. in this movie is so gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I was surprised about was when after my first viewing, I wasn't. You know, I thought Kylo Ren was a, a pretty good villain, mm-hmm. uh, but after my subsequent viewings, I thought he made a fantastic and very compelling mm-hmm. villain. Um, I'm still torn. Uh, sometimes I hate him and I want him to die because mm-hmm. he killed Han. And then sometimes, and I still, even in my first view viewing, another reason why Han's death was so hard for me was because it obviously does really damage Kylo Ren uh, to do that. He mm-hmm. is truly being torn apart. It, it That wasn't just an act that he put on. Um, and I, I think... I think we'll see that affect him in the future. I don't think he'll come out of this a strong, powerful villain like he thinks he will with his ties to the light side cut. I think he will leave this uh, tremendously psychologically damaged. Now, well, let me ask, do you think, because that, that was one of the things that I, I had said uh, beforehand, and, and I think that this is almost certainly going to be similar to uh, the original trilogy and that this is going to be a redemption story for him. Do you think that's the case? Do you think that they will at least try to to save him? I think they'll try to save him, mm-hmm. but I would lean towards them not being successful. Okay. Um, he's 
vulnerable. Mm-hmm. He's vulnerable to Snoke. And Han has already predicted that once Snoke gets what he wants from Kylo, which is, you know, we, we're not entirely sure what that is, but that could be access to Rey. Mm-hmm. Um, then like, I wouldn't pe- put it past Snoke at all to kill him off. Yeah, uh, quite possibly. Yeah, I, I would. I, I'm kind of, of of two thoughts, and I would like to see either of them. But I, I would like to see because uh, I thought about that, and I was and I was wondering, okay, maybe they try to turn him, but they're unable to do it. But a big part of why. I don't want them to go that route is because I feel like it may be too similar to Jason Solo. Um, since, you know, he, we're already hearing those comparisons. But maybe that would be too close to what they did in the New Jedi Order. But the other one I thought could be interesting is, what if they turn him, and they do manage to turn him, but instead of like with Vader, how he was able to... You know, he turns, but then he died, so he didn't really have to face any of the consequences how cool would it be if he turns and then, you know, for uh, 10, 11, 12, you have one of the, the heroes essentially is the one who was the main villain in the other films. And he now has to sort of deal with being a hero, but still paying for his time as a villain. Oh, I just hope we get 10, 11, 12. <laughs> that sounds so good to me. We're totally getting 10, 11. <laughs> yeah. 12. That's, that's not set in stone at this point. Oh, so. it's coming. Uh, I hope so. I don't think Disney's going to just say, you know what? We had a change of heart and we just don't care for money anymore. So, you know what? Honestly, I would like to see uh, episodes seven through 12 and not necessarily two trilogies, but this is like six continuous films that just, you know, follow Ray and Finn or whoever through the next six films. Oh, yes. I would love that. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I guess, see, uh, when I was talking to Steve Glosson about Kylo Ren, um, he was saying that it, you know, Kylo has gone full dark side. There will be no redemption. And it, it's because he, he committed the, he wants to be dark. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Anakin, Anakin didn't desire to turn to the dark side to be evil what Anakin desired was to save his family and friends, and that was perverted and taken advantage of, and Anakin's own fear and insecurities drove him to that. But I pointed out to Steve that with Kylo Ren, we don't know what fears and insecurities are driving him. Mm-hmm. All we know is that he doesn't want to be, as he put it, weak and foolish right. like his father. So what is driving him? Because mm-hmm. with Anakin, we see, obviously, in the prequel trilogy, what drives him. They're slaves. His mother is killed. His wife is threatened. He's been in war and lost many of his men and fellow Jedi. We see what's driving Anakin, but we don't know yet what's driving uh, Ben Solo. Mm-hmm. And right, so George, even George though, said that was the plan, was to show you're not born evil. So what, what, put, what gets you there? Right, and what was Snoke able to convince Ben of? Mm-hmm. Right, because Ben is the son of Han and Leia. These are good people. They were on the right side. He's being trained by Luke. Exactly. We have to find out that answer as to 
what changed for Ben? He wasn't born evil. So what, yeah. what, what made him go that direction? Was he doing it to protect someone and had to go to the dark side? or so? I mean, who knows what know. the situation so, is? Those answers are needed. So there's a lot of that I, I kind of pieced together. And I, and I think that because, you know, they, they had stated that, oh, everyone on this couch is going to be back for episode eight. And Harrison Ford was on that couch. So I'm thinking we're going to get these answers in episode eight, unless of course Han comes back as a, uh, you know, Han the white, but <laughs> if not, then he's probably going to either be, you know, it's sort of in a flashback or, uh, potentially as Kylo's conscious or, or, or a force vision type of thing. And mm-hmm. to me, what I was really picking up on is that, because I want to say someone said like, oh, you know, why does he hate Han? And I'm like, you didn't watch the movie. Like, he doesn't hate Han. He loves Han. Um, because if it, the, the, the clues are that he tells him, or he, he mentions Han, and he says, Kylo says, oh, he means nothing to me. Which, and then he, he tells him, even you haven't faced this. So it seems like he definitely has a connection to Han. And that Snoke has been tainting him and saying, no, no, this is why you fail. This is why you're not as powerful in the dark side. Because, you know, you you love your father too much and that makes you weak. He's weak and, and you're weak and you need to kill him and you need to overcome that so that you can uh, be stronger in the dark side. And because as we see, the light pulling him, he talks about the pull to the light and the light pulling him is Han. And even Leia's tells Han to to go get him and and she says oh Luke was a Jedi but you're his father just to me they really really point to the fact that he and that Ben and Han did have a connection and that that was the the what was pulling him to the light and I think that that is going to have I, th- I think that that's what Snoke had tainted. Oh, you know why you're not as powerful because you because of your father. And I, I think we're going to see that because as you know as we've seen that or we've we've constantly heard he couldn't even build a lightsaber, a correct lightsaber. Yeah, yeah. I I do want to ask Bruce real quick. Um how long have you been a Star Wars fan? <laughs> Since Star Wars. Since 1977. Okay. So, related to Kylo, I wonder if perhaps we Star Wars fans have been fans too long in some ways to see Kylo. Because we see Darth Vader as Anakin Skywalker. We know his redemption story. We've watched the movies over and over. And we can see how torn he is when he is around Luke, even when he's fully Darth Vader. We can see that he... He thinks he's a hopeless case, that it's too late for him. And we see the depression. We see the hopelessness. We see the fear and the desire and longing to have something more with Luke. But when people first saw Star Wars, all they saw was a terrifying villain in a dark suit who was willing to chop the hand off of his son. And in Revenge of the Sith, we see Anakin fall and he chokes out his wife and believes he's killed her. He believes he's killed her because he almost did. Um, and we see uh, him fight his brother slash mentor, 
figure and he's willing to kill him and screams at him, I hate you. And he does wind up killing that person years later in A New Hope when he strikes Ben Kenobi down, even though it was with the will of, of Ben Kenobi or, or it was the will of the Force. So I think we're, we're so familiar with the character and we can empathize with him so much, we tend to forget some of these horrors that he's done and the fact that we're seeing Kylo Ren with completely fresh eyes, fresh and uh, unknowledgeable. We don't know what's happened with this character. We don't know where he's going. Yes, he's killed his father, but we're all so attached to Han that I think many of us are, in saying that Kylo Ren is, is not redeemable, we're actually letting our own emotions, where we're attached to Han Solo for years and years and years as fans, and uh, get in the way of our reasoning in that if Darth Vader was redeemable, so is Kylo Ren. And the fact that Star Wars is very much a redemption story. So whether or not Kylo Ren is actually redeemed, I believe the potential is there. Well, you're right. Darth Vader, when we first saw him in A New Hope, when that movie came out, he was just this terrifying figure. George went back and made episodes one and three. So we get that story. We have that backstory when you're watching in chronological order that that takes us through that journey into who Darth Vader is. Now we're going into this movie and it's almost the opposite. We're going, we're finding out here's Kylo Ren, but there's no prequel that's going to occur to answer this questions. It's going to have to be the sequels to this film that has to answer those questions. So it's going story-wise in a different direction and identifying who this character is. I sometimes I've been wondering, could it be that Ben Solo is doing what he thinks is right to save the galaxy and his friends by joining the dark side to get intertwined with it so that he can get deep into the dark side so he can conquer it to protect the galaxy. And that's why he's being pulled to the light side because he, he doesn't really belong there. He doesn't, he doesn't have that, that inner demon in him that's saying, go to the dark side. He's forcing himself to go to the dark side and it's hard for him to get there. And killing Han is that other step to try to close the door on the light side so he can get in there fully into uh, Snoke and to the First Order and take them down from within. That's just one other idea of Anakin went to the dark side because he was trying to protect his mother and Padme and, and Luke's journey was protecting his friends. Now we have the same lineage, the same family, someone on the dark side, maybe he's doing this to protect who knows? Just another idea. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway, now we're getting so deep. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we are running uh, out of time here. So well, hold on. let's I, go. I, what? But I, I just have one question for Bethany last real quick one. 
Are the you? Yes. Are you <laughs> excellent? Great, because this is this is a really important question to me. I just because I oh, am, no. but I just wanted to know if you are on Team Faye. You know, honestly, I think I am. Awesome. <laughs> if, if, if that's a little vague for someone, they're going, "What is he talking about?" I'm talking about the the whole combining the names of, of uh, the relationship between Ray and Finn. So. Yeah, I mean, it's very obvious that Finn has a crush on Ray. Even that they are friends, I'll mm-hmm. say that. But I, I know Finn has a crush on Ray. Mm-hmm. But I think all oh, that scene where Chewie tells Ray mm-hmm. that it was Finn's idea, and Finn is the first person in Ray's life to come back to her. And we know mm-hmm. how important that is because her family left her and did not come back. And she's been waiting for them to come back. That's when. To me, it shows that Finn's affection for her is deeper than just a crush because, right. yes, he has a crush on her. It's She's pretty and she kicked the bad guy's butts and, you know, she's uh, all these other wonderful things. But it goes deeper because he cares about her character mm-hmm. and her well-being as well. And I, I really like that. Yeah. But I, I also think it's really obvious that she just considers him a friend right now. <laughs> right now, yes. Yeah. But he is the first one to come back mm-hmm. for her. And I think I think that could deepen. Right, right. I I mean, like I said, I'm I'm totally for it. I've been John Boyega initially totally won me over because I I had said, Oh, okay, Oscar Isaac, he's the the X Wing pilot. That's up my alley. That's gonna be the person I gravitate toward. But then John Boyega started doing all his things when they were, <laughs> you know, when they were they were touring around or or whatnot, and and you start hearing all his different shenanigans and things, and I'm like, I really like this guy. And then we get his character in the film, and I'm like, okay, yes, po- or yeah, Finn, Finn's my favorite. I love Finn. <laughs> oh, I love Finn. At, at first, I did kind of wonder, like, I I liked what I saw of his character in the trailers, but I didn't really know what Mm -hmm. to think of it because I mean we have the obvious Han like character in Poe because he's a he's a pilot Mm -hmm. and yet at the same time he's with with the resistance so that kind of reminds us of a a rebellion fighter and we have Rey Mm -hmm. who is force sensitive and we can make some comparisons of her character to Leia you know she's feisty and she can stick up for herself but she's a heart of gold Mm -hmm. Uh, but with Finn while there are definitely elements of his character that uh, are similar to uh, the OT characters, mm-hmm. his actual background situation is so different from anything we've seen in Star Wars. I, I didn't really know what his character would wind up being like, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I love him. I love him today. Yeah. Yeah. It was, Sorry, I- Bruce. We're going on and on. <laughs> no, I could go on all night, but oh, and, yeah. you know. Poe could be, and I'm not saying this is true, but you know they could set up Poe to be our first gay character in a movie. I've I've heard that mentioned, but I don't. I think that what what we kind of got in the book a little bit may contradict that some. But I, I have heard that idea. Um, I just don't know. I don't know that there's. I mean, I don't care one way or the other, but I just don't know that there's anything supporting that at the moment. No, there's nothing supporting it at the moment. But any character mm-hmm. could. 
you know, it could be Captain Phasma or who knows, or even Ben Solo or who knows, you know, anyway. But, you know, also what's a coincidence is when this movie came out, another movie came out on the same day, Sisters with Amy and Poehler. And that's our show, everybody. So we're out of and time. And Tina Fey. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned Fey earlier. Yep. Anyway. But now, so you wanted to talk about some Christmas time? Yeah. What'd you get for Christmas, Bethany? It's like Star Wars related. Ooh, Star Wars related. Uh, well, my friend Steve got me a vintage Ewok. Wicket, which I love. I'm currently um, staring rather creepily fondly in his general direction. Um, (laughs) And it's adorable. And I got the Han and Chewie pop vinyls as well as the Darth Vader pop vinyl, which those are really cute. I love pop vinyls. (laughs) And I am not really a toy slash collector person, but I do like the pop vinyls. Um. And I, as I as I put it to Riley, I, I teasingly said, "So after spending a weekend with a bunch of people who are fairly collector oriented, meaning you know Steve and, and Teresa and Miss Laurie, yeah. I was like, I still don't understand collecting." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I I love the pop vinyls, and um, uh, I got a bunch of small Star Wars goodies from my parents uh, because we we still do the Christmas stockings, and so like I got. Um, Star Wars uh, gummy candies and Star Wars mints and a few other little things like that. And I also got How Star Wars Conquered the Universe and the Star Wars Force Awakens soundtrack. Wait a second. How Star Wars Conquered the Universe. Was that from Riley? (laughs) How'd you guess? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But I'm looking forward to reading it. Um, You know, I've heard so many good things about it and I've uh, read slash listen to slash discuss portions of it before but I, i'm i'm eager to to get my hands on that book and and dig into the whole thing awesome and you also got uh some bb8 cookies from red five mom Devin. yes i i forgot to include anything that i got in the actual mail so um, <laughs> yes i got the red five cookies and the the red five mom bb8 cookies and those were so awesome. Like, I hesitated to eat them. We all did because it was like they were so amazing. And, I mean, they were delicious, too. Right, but art-wise. It art was wise. like eating a work of art. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just like, oh. So they, they actually hung around for a little while because we were, we were a little hesitant to eat them. <laughs> well, I guess you could have just, uh, like, uh, whatever, freeze-dried them or something, use them as Christmas ornaments next year, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also, I, um, I got a card from uh, the Rancho Obi-Wan people, which was nice. Oh, Christmas that's really card. cool. Oh, yeah, um, I got that too, yeah. I'm trying to remember anything else. I'm, I'm sure I'm missing something else. I know, I can't keep it straight because you know, this is the first Christmas holiday season that we've had mm-hmm. a Star Wars release. And so we're buying Star Wars products at the same time that we're getting at Christmas. And it's, it's hard to keep track. Of what people have given you or what you've bought or whatever. We've gotten so much stuff. Oh, yeah. Exactly, yeah. What about you guys? What would you get? I got the poster 
for The Force Awakens in a frame. And oh, it's nice. here in my room with all the other six. I've had this space reserved for the last <laughs> few years just for this movie. And I've got episode eight and nine space reserved too for when the, those come <laughs> out. So my whole room eventually will go, you'll go around the whole room and every piece of the wall will be episodes one through whatever. What, so what about Rogue that, One? That was done. Huh? You don't have a spot reserved for Rogue One? Well, I, I'm trying to figure out how I do it because my original plan was just the saga film. So I'm thinking I have another section uh, outside this door of new walls because this is in the mm-hmm. basement. We got some new finished off areas and those might be the uh, the spinoff films. Okay. Really cool. Yeah. Uh, and I have to figure out what to do with my Raiders of the Lost Ark poster then. <laughs> it's going to lose <laughs> its space probably. <laughs> But then I got a uh, uh, Force Awakens calendar and uh, some shirts. Like I really get, I got this BB-8 shirt that uh, I think my wife said she got it at Target. And I swear, when I wear that out, there I, I have so many people commenting on that shirt. And it's, touching you, huh? I said, in touching you. Well, no, <laughs> <laughs> no one comes up. Oh, BB-8. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I just go rolling around like BB-8, but I can't remember <laughs> what else I got. Man, it's just like I'm you sure I got, got Disney Infinity. Oh yeah, I got the yeah the Force Awakens Disney Infinity, and so I have Poe and Ray, and then my kids Fan each got Han and Chewie, so that we can throw them in there too and 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 play with them. So yeah, and I did buy the soundtrack. Uh, so my wife was like, oh, and I got the visual dictionary. Yeah, I got that too. <laughs> but the soundtrack, my wife is like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'll buy the soundtrack for Christmas. I'm like, no, I am buying that the morning it comes out on the 18th. I am running to the store immediately. I'm not waiting a week for that soundtrack. I have <laughs> to have it right away. I'm just as excited about the soundtrack as I am the movie. So I had to get that right away. So what about you, Michael? Okay. Well, I was going to say that visual dictionary is really good. Do you have that, yeah. Bethany? I do not have that yet, but I, I want to get it because I've heard so many great things about it. Yeah. And I keep seeing screenshots online, too, that are really cool. Yeah, it's, it's, I would suggest anyone. I think it's like 12 bucks on Amazon or something like that. It's, it is really, really good. Um, we have it sitting on our coffee table. So I got a lot of different things, so I'm not going to go through everything. Um, but the highlights were uh, Christy had got me the, the Blu-rays I'd mentioned earlier. Um, but my favorite gift was actually from my mom and she, which she got me a ton of Star Wars stuff, but the one thing she'd actually got me was she was cleaning, um, she was cleaning something out. I forgot what it was. And I've been looking for this for a while, but she found the first Star Wars thing I had ever gotten. And it was the Star Wars bed sheets that I had actually gotten secondhand um, and they were on cause she, cause we were talking about it and, and we were trying to figure out when I had gotten them, but she says, I, I don't remember when it was, she said, but I know that you had them on your toddler bed. So I had, uh, cause when, when I got into star Wars, I, so I was born in 87 and you know, sometime between there and 1994, there was nothing like you just, you couldn't buy anything star Wars. And that's when I discovered star Wars and totally fell in love. So uh, someone that she knew from her job said, Oh, said, I have these bed sheets. You know, I know your son's really big into star Wars now. Uh, my son's outgrown them. So here you go. And she's like, Oh, I know he'll love these. So you use bed sheets. Ew, shut up. It's like my favorite thing ever. 
<laughs> so she had she had found those and she uh she wrapped them for me and gave them to me and I saw it and I was like oh my god so that was that was my favorite gift because I didn't really know if I would ever see those again that's cool I have those bed sheets not yours <laughs> I stole them after the fact <laughs> but similar from when I was a kid actually I don't ha- I don't know where the full set I think my mom still has the full set I have parts of it but mm-hmm. my uh, youngest daughter uh, she has the pillowcase and she carries it around the house with a pillow that's like you know she'll cuddle with it around the house so it's so cool to see the the pillowcase I used to sleep on when I was her age mm-hmm. she's walking around with and she's sleeping with it mm-hmm. It's so special. See, Star Wars brings the generations together. It's family and so on and so forth. (laughs) So the 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 one thing I'll say though, because I didn't, because I, which Bruce, you know for sure. I you know I buy stuff throughout the year so much and everything. So I always for Christmas try to make, uh, you know, try to spend more and get uh, stuff for Christy. And just, I told her, I'm like, you know, don't, don't really get me anything real big or whatever. I'm like, you kind of get me a little something or whatever. But for her this year, I actually got her, there was only one thing I got her that was not Star Wars related. I, I got her the, um, for the, the Disney Infinity, I got her the Inside Out playset. But other than that, every single thing that I had gotten for her was Star Wars related. I got her the, uh, the socks because they have a bunch of different themed socks. So I got her those. I got oh, her. I got BB-8 socks. Yeah, Dude, they're so yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Okay, those are some of those. That's so. cool. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's fine. Yeah, because they, um, they have those. I think I got them from Target or maybe five. I don't remember. I think I may have got them from a couple different places. But so, so I'd got her the socks, and then I had actually got um, because one of her favorite things is she has a Darth Vader hoodie that she wears around all the time. But uh, because she liked Kylo, I'd saw at. Um, at the Disney store, the Kylo Ren hoodie, but it's for for kids. So there was I saw a girl who was about she was a little bit taller than Christine, but she was about her uh, her build. And I said I said this is probably weird, but will you put this on for me? And she goes, No, it's cool. I understand. <laughs> so you know, I'm, I'm like, Does it fit? Okay. And she's like, Yeah. She's like, It's just a little tight. She goes, How tall is she? And I'm like, Ah, oh, she's shorter than you. She's like, Okay, this should fit her just fine. So I'm like, Awesome. So I got her the uh, the Kylo Ren hoodie, which she's been wearing around. And then the one thing I wasn't too sure if she would like or not, but I took a chance on it, was the the Kylo Ren. Uh, the Hasbro Black Series helmet, and it's the full helmet, and it even changes your voice to sound like Kylo Ren, and um, that seems to be her favorite thing. She'll put it on, and uh, she'll just like walk around the house, and she'll be like, "The droid stole a freighter." <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> take the mask off. Uh, and then I spent five hours after the fact because I thought, ah, I see it everywhere. It won't, be, it won't be a big deal. But it was, it was totally a big deal. Um, and I was even, Bruce was helping me look online for like inventory and everything. And I looked all around like the North Georgia area for the uh, Millennium Falcon Lego set. Because she told me, she's like, that's the one thing that I want. I'm like, okay, yeah. But I wasn't. Yeah, it's like three days before Christmas. It was, it was more than three, but still. Okay, four. I, it I, was the week of. Christmas. Yeah, it was like it was like right there the the weekend before the week of is when I'd started looking for it and I just because I'd seen it everywhere and I, I thought okay this is this seems to be pretty easy to find it's really expensive it's not going to be a big deal and I looked and looked and looked and I finally gave up 
and I'm like, it's, I'm just not finding it. And then I went into uh, Second and Charles, which is kind of like um, they're in with, I believe, Books a Million, but they do secondhand books and things like that. And they also have a lot of uh, like pop culture things. And I'm like, I know they have Legos. Let me just go check there. And sure enough, they had one set. So I was like, yes. <laughs> so I managed to get that. But she, even though she seems to like it still, she seems to like that helmet more. I've seen the pictures of her wearing the, hel- wearing the helmet. It's pretty cute, actually. <laughs> Hey, have you guys seen the Calvin and Hobbes style The Force Awakens art? I have not. Oh, I'll have to send you both a link. It's hilarious. But there's one particular shot where it shows uh, a younger Han and Leia married with like a four-year-old or whatever, Kylo Ren, but all in costume and everything with a tiny red lightsaber and he's gone around and sliced up a bunch of snowmen <laughs> and, and you know murdered the snowmen and Han is saying, well, this is more of a your side of the family thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really cute. I, I have seen the the one with the Lion King where it's Vader lifting up a tiny little Kylo Ren. That one's cute. Yeah, that's cute too. I've seen that. I haven't seen anything cute. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bruce. <laughs> anyway, we're gonna wrap things up. Thank you for joining us, Bethany. It's so great to finally have you on. You like belong here because you you live in the neighborhood of Star Wars Report. Yeah, and thanks, thanks guys for having me. This is a lot of fun and fun to take our our conversations, uh, you know, out from behind cl- the closed doors of. <laughs> Of social media and uh, Dragon Con. Yes. To, to the podcast realm. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That's why we do this. So we can like find other ways to talk to one another. <laughs> so, and, and by the way, and you know, Michael, I don't know if you know this, but I saw uh, A New Hope on the big screen a couple years ago with Bethany and Riley. We saw it at, uh, what, what, what theater was that called again? In Atlanta? I um, honestly don't even remember. The it's Plaza? this little like classic theater that plays a lot of classic stuff. Like hardly anything new, but just yeah. Yeah, but that was fun seeing it on the big screen again. And that was your first time seeing a Star Wars movie on the big screen, I think, right? Well, I had actually seen some of the uh, prequel trilogy on the big screen at Celebration Five. Oh, okay. But yeah. That's- and The Force Awakens was my first time seeing a Star Wars film in theaters for the first time. It was really cool. Awesome. Well, you'll get to see more for the first time on the big screen in the next few years. We've got one in November, in December. We got another one in May after that. I mean, it's rapid fire from here on out. We're good to go. <laughs> So anyway, that wraps up this episode. And so if you guys would go to iTunes, give us a five-star written review, just like we did with what what, what was the uh, Bruiser Rocks. Thank you, Bruiser Rocks, for that review. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. And we're on Stitcher and we're on TuneIn. And you can listen to us even on StarWarsReport.com. There's a great person there that edits that website named Bethany Blanton. She's on the show right now. Hey, there she is. <laughs> 
And you can follow us on Twitter at Cloud City Casino, and you can go to Facebook.com slash Cloud City Casino, and you can uh, join us there. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. And Michael, where can they follow you on Twitter? Morris Isley. Morris Isley. And Bethany, what about you? People can find me, uh, my personal Twitter account is at Bethany L. Blanton, and I also tweet from at Star Wars Report. And people can email us at cloudcitycasino at gmail.com. There you go. Just as simple as that. We'd love to hear from you. Right, Michael? That's a really creepy voice. I don't know what it is. (laughs) I'm just having fun because it's Star Wars. That's all. Okay. Simple as that. So I guess we'll end this. And Michael, would you help Bethany with our outro by leading her into what we always say? Never forget. There's this creature in Star Wars, really intimidating, but really cool. But the one time you never want to cross this particular creature or his species is when you're playing any sort of game. You have to lose all the time. You have to... Let the Wookiee win.